Uh, good morning and welcome to our live stream. This is, uh, I'm Rodney and this is Kevin. And we're um, doing this as a part of River Valley Community Church this morning. And we know there's some of you that aren't a part of our church and you're in different parts of the country. And again, whatever's going on with you, we hope, uh, we hope you're well. We know some of you are actually in an environment that has opened up again. You're going to restaurants, and and uh, here in Illinois, we're not doing that yet. Not yet. But <laughs> not yet. It'll come uh, sometime soon. So we're going to do something a little special, really special this morning. I think we're we're in the office of uh, Kevin Polkey and with KP Counseling. So KP, Kevin Polkey, and this is Kevin, and he's a therapist and runs this business. In fact, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself by telling us how many kids you have okay. and um, how long you've been in this practice. And did you grow up in Rockford? I don't, yep, I don't yep, know. Yep. Grew up my entire life, uh, actually born in Rockford and uh, uh, spent my entire life here, except when I was away at college. And then a very brief stint, uh, tried to, uh, as a joke, and tried to escape to Denver and outside the foothills of Denver with some of my college roommates. We went out there after we graduated and and it was a difficult time during that period. That was in uh, 1990. No, actually, it was in 91, and there was a recession going on in Denver. And so even though I was working at a hospital here, the sister hospital out there, were they were on hiring freeze. And oh. so uh, there wasn't really the, uh, the type of work that I wanted to do. I didn't want to work in the entertainment industry anymore or the gym industry anymore. So I decided after three or four months, decided to come back to Rockford and, and pick up my job that I had at the psychiatric hospital I was working at. So, uh, And upside was... Um, not too long after that, about six, nine months after that, um, my wife and I started dating, and, and we've been together um, since 92, and um, and got married in 93, and I have a 24-year-old son who was my college athlete and uh, fo- played football. Football. And uh, and then he graduated and now is almost done with his master's in social work. So he's going oh. into the field as well. Okay. And then my daughter, who's 21, she's my uh, performing artist. So she does musical theater and acting, singing, dancing. And as I mentioned, she's 21 years old. And she w- just finished up her junior year, um, her third year, getting her bachelor's in social work. And then she's also going to go on and get her master's. So she wants to use uh, art. Um, expressive art and and counseling and try to incorporate that so i get the best of both worlds i get i got the an artist exactly and so it's uh it's been beautiful my wife is an artist by trade and by training and um so we get uh we and she's also an athlete and so uh so we get uh we have a lot of fun conversations at our house (laughs) (laughs) and you experienced it sounds like going to colorado and the economy problem but a lot of people right now a lot of our graduates are getting yeah. out of college, and they're realizing people aren't hiring. So, yeah, very. I guess if nothing else, we can learn. It turns out okay. Yeah, very. And to be honest with you, I I graduated here. You know, went to Illinois State, graduated with my undergraduate, came back, and I worked part time as a correctional officer for juvenile detention center for almost a year. Um, and then I worked for another year after after I left there. I went to the psych hospital, and I. I graduated in May of 90. I didn't get my first time full-time placement until September of 91. So it was a lot of part-time jobs, a lot of hustling, you know, still bouncing and working security in bars and different things like that for bands and stuff like that, as well as while I was just trying to make it, make it happen. But it, 
it was well, almost 18 months, um, you know, I guess 15, 16 months before I got my first time, my first full-time job that my degree allowed me to get. Uh, a, a bouncer to therapist, kind of the same deal, right? Yeah, well, yeah, close. And then don't <laughs> don't leave out the bodybuilding world either. That yeah, was can. a <laughs> that was a whole nother whole yeah, nother world that I lived in. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have you been a Christ follower since you were a kid, as an adult? Yeah. Since, yeah, since you were a kid. Yeah, well, so I was raised in the Lutheran church, and we'd go to church every Sunday, and and I remember uh, Advent and Lent on Wednesday nights, and that was part of, uh, it was Grace Lutheran Church, uh, the church I attended growing up, and then it was Tabor Lutheran when I was in high school. And my experience with my youth director, Cal Carlson, when I was in, in high school really opened me up to... Of course, I was only knew what I knew, you know, what I'd been yeah. exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would take us on Sundays to different churches and right. and see and experience different types of of services and mm-hmm. and different types of denominations. And that really, and then and then different youth groups we would you know collaborate with, and and that really opened up. Um, so after I graduated, it really opened up that possibility of what is my particular pathway to having a closer relationship with God. And so I remember, you know, um, having experiences of accepting uh, Christ into my life and having those types of exercises you do in confirmation class and at confirmation camp and those things. But uh, June 28th of 1987 was a very significant date um, where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll joke and say that was my born on date where mm. I, where uh, it was a very significant before and after, um, okay. and my my spiritual development really went to a whole nother level. And um, one, it had to do with that particular day to getting uh, having a, a full submersion baptism that day as an adult, um, and then transitioning into a, attending Assemblies of God Church. Uh, it was um, actually Metro Christian Center, which was the mm-hmm. outreach program for yeah, uh, for homeless mm-hmm. in uh, downtown Rockford storefront at that time. Mm-hmm. A lot of young uh, young adults that were involved with that, and it had a profound effect on me during that time period. I happened to be the same day that I got uh, had that baptism experience, even though I was baptized as an infant, was the same day I started getting trained by my uh, personal trainer um, for the Teenage Mr. USA, which then I later won three months later. Mm. Um, and so it was a very much a very surreal time period uh, from June into August, uh, not only that training time period, but then also that spiritual growth time period. And um, it was pretty um, pretty magical time. Yeah, for people who are athletes, that there's an amazing connection between athletics, training, spiritual growth, yeah. I think so. So I, I, I get that. But we talk a lot about training instead of trying as yeah. far as uh, as growing. So so here's what we're doing today, guys. We're, normally, I would give a little mini message, but anytime I'm with Kevin, I feel I can just, I feel like I want to talk for a long time, sure. asking you questions. And I, I literally can feel my soul grow when I'm with mm-hmm. you. You challenge me, but you have, um, you know, I think God's Spirit works through you to help us. So it makes sense when we're when we're in this weird time sure. to be talking to, to to you and to um, uh, you know there's lots of folks here at KP Counseling that yeah. are, are qualified and it's a Christian counseling place and I know yep. your vision is to help people and, and we're I know you also like people to not 
um, to, to be able to get over their fear of counseling or to see it as something terrible. I've always, I, when I say to people, we could all use counseling mm-hmm. and a, a lot, we all, we get it in one way or the other, right. but to have a trained therapist to do that. So we, we have a privilege today to be talking with Kevin and I'm going to ask him some questions that are related to the virus and then we'll take a little bit of break. And then I'm going to ask him just some questions that I think if you were here, you would probably ask him about practical things about our lives. So if you don't mind, that's yep. what, that sounds that's what I would like to do. Sounds great. Um, We've called, we got thrown into this. You know, we don't do video. We don't do, we don't yep. film our services. Yep. So we, we couldn't gather. And so fortunately, AJ is so skilled at this. We've been able to start filming and we called this right off the bat, Faith Over Fear. Okay. And we started off realizing people were really afraid. Yeah. Afraid to get sick, afraid of what's going to happen. It's kind of transitioned a little bit, mm-hmm. but there's still a fear. So, I thought maybe you could just tell us what you sense in in all the work that you do around Rockford about where that fear level is or mm-hmm. where we are in this stage of working mm-hmm. through this in our souls, you know, yeah. more so than just out in, out in culture. Yeah. You, you know, I think uh, I, I, re- I remember clearly, I wrote about this recently for an article that I wrote for the Chamber, um, but I remember I was watching a, a a movie or a TV series or whatever on the Wednesday, the Wednesday before St. Patrick's Day. And I saw it come over my phone that the NBA is uh, suspending their season. And then a few mm. minutes later, um, air flights are getting uh, canceled. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, what's going on here? Like, yeah. like that movie New Dawn, like something's, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And that wave of, my first wave of adrenaline went through my body um, of something's going on. But there still was some denial because mm-hmm. maybe maybe this isn't real. You don't fake news and all that. And, right. You know, but when the NCAA suspended or canceled the March Madness, come on, something's up. <laughs> the world is falling apart. <laughs> right. It really was a big deal. Oh, Just yeah. the amount of money they oh, were yeah. getting rid of. It must have been serious. So yeah. this is real, right? Yeah. St. Patrick's yeah. Day is getting canceled. Yeah. And, and, then, and then we get the announcement that the restaurant's um, are going to be closing, yeah, right? right? So, so now um, the, there's a beginning of this ripple effect, and and then of course at that same time is that I, I think kind of to your question was that this fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. and then people started reacting to that in in this fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. This threat of this unknown thing. Mm-hmm. What could this mean? I mentioned the movie Red Dawn, and I think there was this element that came out with: is is there going to be you, you you know the National Guard going through the streets? Is there going to be different things like that? So we have this rush on toilet paper, even though it's a respiratory illness, right. which didn't make a whole lot of sense. I know. Right? Rush on bottled water, even though it didn't appear a water yeah. supply so was. People are irrational. Right. Yeah. You know. But I think the reason why we were susceptible to that is because it was something that we could control. Yes, I can at least get toilet paper. Yeah, I can yeah. at least feel I'm preparing myself. Right. Right. Makes sense. And, and and so I think the element of that is what we try to do is when we have something mm. that's an unknown threat that's coming and it's mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. even though We've been getting news about this from China and the year in Europe and Italy and the West Coast prior to this. Now it's home because now it's shattered that denial that's going to happen here. Okay, right, yeah, and um, and, and so even though it hadn't hit Italy or Illinois right away, it was New York first and then started coming over to us. Um, it, that that 
that concern, that panic, that that fear was there, especially when it, we started with the governor being proactive in Illinois and 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 starting some measures um, ahead of time. I think that was really um, what really activated a lot of that fear of that unknown. Yeah. So it was denial, and then we just control. And where where do you sense people are now? Are people and again, there's two different ways that we can control when we are afraid, when we're threatened. Either, either one, we 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 overreact with something we can get our hands on, right? Meaning okay. the toilet paper or whatever that may be. What if there's no food supplies left? Type of thing, right? Right. And, and then the other one is going. This is a hoax. This this is this a this is conspiracy. This is all political. And 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 I'm and. It's, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But, That's really great. I talked to two people today. One said this whole thing's a government hoax, yeah. or some people think Zoom did it <laughs> to make a profit. And uh, but then the others are still afraid. They don't want to come out of their house because right. they, you know, both different reactions to the yeah. same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I think it, it, you know, and I know for as a business leader, initially, you know, I'd make a decision. On something, and I, we're this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do that. And then, you know, with more information, forty-eight hours later, I'm pivoting and now moving in a different way. And it wasn't because I, I wanted to be flip-flopping all over the place. With more information, I had an opportunity to make a better decision. And, yeah, right. And the, and so there was a lot of that pivoting, and and my commitment was to my staff as well as to my clients about how could we. Number one, safety, physical mm-hmm. safety first, Absolutely. and then and then second was, I I knew that there was going to be some mental health concerns, mm. now, people that were either who were struggling before, may you know it may be amplified, yeah, or individuals because of these uh, restrictions that are being placed, the different things that were happening, what what's going to come out of that, or just the fact that you know, this fear, this unknown again, what's that going to pop out or mm. all these things. So, um, so I had multiple levels of concern, let alone our perception of right. what, what to be afraid of. So is, is, um, so a psychology question is fear, good, bad, a mix and what's its function? Well, uh, number, number one, I think it, it's not neither good or bad. Okay. You know, it, fear is an emotion that okay. we have in response to, a real a perceived threat, regardless if it's actual or not, we perceive that something. You know, if you had a bad experience with a dog in the past, your perception of a dog is threatening, so fear is going to come up. If you've never been hurt by a dog, same dog, you want to go over and pet it, right? Yeah. And um and and so I think God has created us to have this uh, this mechanism to protect us. So fear is actually a good thing yeah, because it's helping us preserve ourselves. Absolutely. It it could be a real fear, mm-hmm. I mean a real um, danger, mm-hmm. or it could be a perceived one. Yeah. So it would be wrong wrong for us to, to say, if you would just mature, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have that fear. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, that's, that has nothing to do with this, right? I, I, think, I think developing, maturing, right? Yeah has to do with trying to minimize overreaction, but to not be afraid is actually probably a sign of a lack of development or immaturity. Mm, okay. 
You know, if mm-hmm. you would have asked me in my late teens and early 20s, I probably would have said I'm not afraid of anything and had my hat on backwards and had a little sign in the back of my truck. Right, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But that was because I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. And, right, so I could yeah. be bold. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when you fall, when you fall, when you fall a couple of times, you you know it hurts. <laughs> so, right. So, so, so now, you know, it, I think part of maturity is respecting Speaking of the virus, I respect. I have a respect for the virus and what the virus can do, mm-hmm. but I also have to recognize what what is what's not necessarily the virus. What, what's the virus not going to do? I, I'm not at this moment today not convinced that rubber gloves are going to keep me safer than my skin because in both cases I need to wash my hands before I bring it close to my face. And that's not like a brave, I'm overcoming fear. It's a knowledge-based decision. From what I've understood up to this point. The, the knowledge you have, what you under, your perception of it. So for some people, they have, a, they have unhealthy perceptions. Uh, I got bit by a dog, to use your example. Therefore, all these dogs are bad. So they live their life in, in somewhat unnecessary fear. So right. part of the work you would do with somebody maybe is helping them overcome that. You yeah. wouldn't just say... Uh, I, I think some people get stuck in their fear, mm-hmm. or they cling to it. Even mm-hmm. well, why? Why would anybody do that? Well, that that generalizing, right? So the generalization yeah. that all dogs are bad, or all this particular race is bad, or all this political party is bad, or w- w- whatever that may be. I, I think it is the desire to protect myself, not to be hurt. Not to have another disappointment, not to have another letdown. So protection you, again, yeah. protection. Okay. You know, again, because that's the number one thing instinctually that we try to do is survive. Yeah, okay. Right? But my my brain can't differentiate between uh, the the dog that's coming at, at me or the car, right? Or my perception that I get triggered by, I see a dog and, and I'm... I'm projecting that the dog is going to attack me just because the dog's there. Mm. My body's responding the same way. My, my my brain is responding the same way, so my body's going to respond the same way. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to um, read what is a kind of a classic thing about anxiety and fear in the Scripture and tell you what I believe is biblically the a good interpretation of this mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of application, but I would like for you to say how that resonates with with therapy and psychology and helping us emotionally deal with it, you know, because I do think these things go together. I think truth, some very practical guidelines in Scripture, but then if we understand the way we're made, it makes sense on how to apply it. So this is Philippians 4 where it starts off, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. So this is Philippians 4.4 if anybody wants to go check it out. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So he set up this, this case where he's saying we can. there's a lot to be glad about because God's with us. Mm-hmm. And then he makes this very bold statement that's often misused. You know, it sounds very legalistic. Do not be anxious about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it really is a—it's written as a commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't—if you continue to read it, it doesn't sound like, oh, well, I'm just supposed to control my anxiety and just not be anxious. So by willpower— because he goes on and he says, um, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, so the opposite, don't be anxious, but 
in every situation with prayer and petition. So being in this relationship with this God who is near to us and telling him what I need. But then he adds, and also with thanksgiving, so being grateful for anything I can think of to be grateful for, present your request to God. And it seems like in context, he's meaning whatever you're anxious about, tell God, Mm -hmm. and asking for his help. And then it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, So what it doesn't say is, don't be anxious, um, get peace. Mm -hmm. It says, it's not good to be anxious, and here's how... Here's how you can go about something instead of just focusing on your anxiety. Focus on the fact that God is with you. He cares about you. He wants to listen to you. Tell him what he wants. And as you do that, the peace of God, which means the peace that comes from God, which is beyond our ability to understand, it will guard us. So it's something supernatural happens in that process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't totally separate supernatural from practical, you know, I think God can give me peace, but at the same time, there's chemical stuff that happens in my brain as mm-hmm. I get that peace. And then he goes on and he says, "What? Well, so finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he's telling us, you started off anxious, and I'm telling you to do some stuff. Connect with God, ask God for help. You'll see something supernatural happen. And by the way, you also have more to do. Think, control your mind. Mm-hmm. Think on and he's, all these positive things. Um, and then, you know, whatever you've learned, he says, then you put it into practice. So mm-hmm. then we're supposed to be active in this growing process. So, so I think if you just interpret that, and I don't know anything about psychology, it seems like he's saying just that. Realize God's there. Talk to him about what's going on with you. And make sure you're grateful for what you have going on. Don't just focus on all the negative. In fact, focus your mind on these positive things, and you're going to see something supernatural comes and gives you peace. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm going to, so I'm going to add one more thing to that, because I think sometimes people will say that, see, see, there it is. If you have enough faith, you won't be anxious, mm-hmm. and, and you won't ever fear. But fortunately, we have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. who we know never sinned, mm-hmm. who was deeply afraid and deeply anxious about being tortured. But it seems to me like he went through this whole process. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out of it with some degree of peace going, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And then he put into practice the next thing. So he, he worked through it. So that's the way I would just, in a really brief nutshell, this is the way... And I don't, I don't just understand this from standing in front of people. Um, and I've talked to our church quite a bit about this over the last two or three years where I have spent more time alone than I ever have, separated from my family, watching my girls go away and feeling like, how am I going to protect them? Mm-hmm. Fe- feeling anxiety in a way. I've, I just have never... I have, I, I've told our church that I think before the last three or four years, I can't remember being afraid of much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just... Genuine fear. Mm-hmm. But then I found it, mm-hmm. and I, one at first it made me feel not much of a Christian. Wow, how can you be so? How can you be leading a church and be afraid that you're, you know, you don't trust God enough to take care of your your girls when they're walking to their car late at night and you're not close by? Um, so I've worked on this, mm-hmm. but it, it's a very difficult thing. So I I, I I teach that. I think there's that truth, but I'm wondering as a therapist where you resonate with that and what you additionally know about the body and the soul and the way it works to get to peace. Mm -hmm. 
anything, what would you say about? Sure. So let's go back to my, again, what I perceive, whatever I perceive, right, becomes my reality. Yes. So whatever I perceive, if I perceive this as a nice dog or I perceive this as a dangerous dog, whatever I perceive is my reality because I then start telling a story to myself that will then start collecting data to support my perception. So you're, that's, that's the way we work. You find, you don't find, you naturally find data that supports whatever you perceive, even if it's not real, even if that dog, but you don't naturally find evidence to support the opposite. Right. Okay. That, that's that's inst- fascinating. In, instinctually, that's what we have to do, right? To survive. To survive. Right. Got it. Okay. You are not from, this is way back in a different day. Right. Yeah. Back when, back when you had to live in a tribe to survive. Yeah. You're not from my tribe. You're threatening. I now have more and more things to start supporting what I've been taught, what I've seen. Because little kids don't do this. Little ones, right? The little kids don't know how to be tribal. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's my friend we until they teach, hurt me. Yeah. We adults yeah. teach them. We oh. teach them how okay. to be tribal, right? And because we want them to be safe. We don't mean to do it in a I bad way, yeah. but we try, you know, because I'm afraid that my daughter is going to get hurt. So I'm going to protect that, you okay. know, be safe. So so we don't do it intentionally, like in a bad way, but but we do it out of our fear of the unknown concerns, whatever. So so my perception, I have received something, I project on it that this is what's going to happen. I find data as a sport it, right? So so to survive, right? When that happens, adrenaline is rushing through my system to fight or to flee, right? Yes. When that happens, blood's flowing to my extremities to get away. My heart's beating faster. I'm breathing. This is God's know, gift of fear for us. To it's survive. a gift. Yeah. To survive. Right. right. Okay. The downside is, is that all this is happening, I don't need a bunch of blood going to my brain. So my cognitive abilities, right, are diminished now. Oh. In other words, I become more rigid in the story that I'm telling myself. Okay. So physiologically, your body's saying run, not think. Right. Okay. We're Got not strategizing it. now. Okay. To do that, you have to train yourself. So you look at individuals, they have movies about them, right? Military guys and mm-hmm. martial mm-hmm. arts and different things like that, wrestler, different combat individuals. They've trained themselves to be in that situation so they don't feel threatened when they're in that situation. So then they can strategize out of that. Most of us don't prepare for daily life that way. So they, so they, they keep that fear of, so they can think. They keep, they keep the fear response at bay because they don't know yet if this projection right. is is true or not right so they yeah. so then they can um, behave in a, in a manner of their training right so now, and that's a good thing that's a good thing again yeah. for for what they do for what right? They do, right that's why we also sometimes have soldiers that struggle when they come back to civilian life because it's not exactly the same so they have okay. to again work work through that right so so this idea that when I have a perceived threat, right, because of how physiologically what's happening, I have a tendency to be closed in my thinking. It's a story that I'm telling myself. I'm sticking to it. Okay. Only looking for more data to support it. Okay. So if I don't, if I want to believe it's, this is all a hoax, that's what I'm supporting it. I'm finding data to support that. And, and, and 
you know, naysaying the other to contradict it, or if I got to enclose, you know, all this, and I'm I'm doing that to support the story that I'm saying. Okay, so so I'm gonna interrupt you because that's yep. just fascinating to me. Because so we got to make sure we get back to what we're talking about for fear. So my primal instinct is survival. So it will do me no good to look for evidence that I'm wrong because I could really get hurt if I'm wrong. And it really doesn't hurt me to find evidence that I should be afraid right now and run. That doesn't hurt me. So I'm, that's what I naturally do. But it also blocks my ability to think. So when people get in this whatever, I'm afraid of the virus. I'm afraid you're going to hurt my reputation. I'm afraid you're going to make me feel invaluable. I then kick into this gear. where Because when you see people like that, sometimes you go, this is not even logical the way you're thinking. Right. And you're saying, yes, right. it's not because right. we're... We're past that now, yeah. so so we're in a we're in a most likely we're in a closed state of mind. Okay. So so I, I have the threat. I, I'm seeing the threat. I'm okay. in a closed state of mind, right? So so what what I heard you say in Philippians there in Philippians mm-hmm. four, what I'm hearing you say is that Paul's suggesting, asking us, maybe pleading with us to be open to God. Well, how can yes. we be open? Right. Well, the only way if I'm anxious, right, the only way that I can be open to God is if I share with God with without any apologies what I'm scared about, mm. what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times I don't want to do that because I'm shamed that I should even feel this way and I'm embarrassed to even tell him about it because I'm going to hold back. Yeah. Of course, Satan's going to attack me with what I didn't reveal to him. Because we're uh, – I'm looking at that because we – you think why would we hold back? It's because we don't our, our view of God is wrong. We think He's going to judge us. We think, which is maybe why He begins rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice! It's great. It's awesome that He's near you. He loves you. He cares about you. But be if great- you don't believe that, yeah. be grateful that He already knows, Adam, what you've already done. Yeah. So why are you hiding from me in the garden? Right. Exactly. Be grateful that He already knows. He's not judging you. He's actually seeking you. Yeah. Empathetic. Correct. Yeah. Waiting, Understanding. Yeah. Waiting, wanting to create a space for you to come just as you are. Yeah. Okay. Right? So I think that's what it means to me, what that means. And then I can be vulnerable and put it all out there and recognize that maybe the nightmare that I have or I'm having, right? Yeah. That when I bring it to the conscious level, bring it to put oxygen to it, maybe the monster isn't as big as the one in my dream chasing me. Yeah, and so do you see it that there's both of these things going on where I see as, where he says, think, so you make a choice. I have control about what my mind goes. I don't necessarily have control of my emotions. Is that right? A little bit, but I have. I definitely have control of my thoughts, even though when I'm f- running for flight, or you know, I may not have as much control, but he's saying, you have some work to do. You can do this thinking, and you can put some things into practice. But then there's this other side where the supernatural peace of God is going to work too. Is that? Is, did you, and so, is it in therapy? Is it both things going on where I've got some work to do, but I'm also asking God to do something bigger than what I can do? So, so the magic that happens, right? If you want to call it that, the sacredness yeah. that happens in the space, right, is, is that you you come in and you're afraid of something or ashamed of something, or, or whatever it is. And then you trust the process to come in here and share with another person about what it is in front of God, right? It takes a ton of energy and effort to do that, right? Right. My responsibility is to make sure that I hold a space for you, non-judgmental space for you, just to unpack it, 
throw yeah. it out there and unpack it. The magic comes is that not only are you relieved by the fact that you did it, and I didn't crucify or judge you or whatever, or mm-hmm. you incinerate or whatever, whatever the fear mm-hmm. was, right? Mm-hmm. That that somehow the magical piece is that somehow you now have a different insight, possibly, or maybe I can see something in it and and ask you to look at it from this angle or whatever, and then something changes. Something changes about you looking at your own fear or just the fact that you were able to talk about your own fear. That, to me, is what God's promised us, that he'll walk with us through it Mm. if we'll allow ourselves to be open for him to walk with us. And it sounds like what you're saying, and and for all of us that are doing this, if we're not, we don't have to be in, if we're not in a therapy session, but with our friends, if we give them space to admit what's going on in their life, it is a very godly thing to do. Mm-hmm. And when we don't incinerate them or judge them, that actually kind of calms this big fear that they have, and now they can deal with the other fear, the, the deeper stuff, or the mm-hmm. real the real stuff that's going on. Yeah. That's really, that's that's pretty great. And I think I, I have to at least, right, I, I joke about this sometimes when I do talks, is I have to discern who am I going to bring that to. Yeah. Because I have certain people that in my life, friends of my people that care about me, people that I care about, but when I go and bring it to them, and I'm in that closed-minded space, I'm fearful space, man, I regress to a 15-year-old. Mm. I'm I'm a really good powder and I'm a really good whiner and I'll go right there, right? <laughs> yeah. And I have other people I know that if I call them up, if I meet with them, I want to be a better man even as I'm about to say something to them. I want to see this from a wisdom perspective versus a fear perspective. It's yeah. my responsibility to discern who I bring this to. Right. That's on me. And I can't do that in the I have to I have to be aware of that when I'm not being threatened and I'm not in a bad space. Yeah. Do you, you, yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. It does. In fact, I want to ask maybe on the second half questions about friendship because I think a lot of people don't have those people where they're safe in their life or they have superficial they're safe but they've never risked talking about serious stuff. So, um why do you think this may be a super simple answer to you, but that people respond differently to the same event. Some are terrified. Mm-hmm. Some are like, eh, no big deal. From from everything, from I'm walking close to the cliff and some people, I don't even feel it. And other people are like, get away from the cliff. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with this this virus. What, yeah. is, it, is it the way we're wired? Is it it's probably very complex. It's not a simple one, isn't it? Because as, as I'm looking at you, you're going, well, there's wounds and there's hurts yep. and there's experiences. But I think it's a combination, right? It, it's, a, it's a combination of a lot, a, a variety of different things. It, it could be, you know, everything from the, you know, the, the, the nature part of us, right? How we were created, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, some some individuals, you know, have, have uh, may have a, a sense. They may never have had a bad experience with heights, but they may um, sense that it's unstable, right? And 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 that's has to do with energy fields and different things like that. And um, and so that may be um, that something's going on. Others may have really good balance, and and they just have a lot of experience of you know, even when they fall, they fall. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, could be previous bad experiences. It could be um, projected experiences based upon a loved one being concerned. They're afraid of heights. 
Yeah. And so then they've projected that onto their offspring about being afraid of heights. There, so there's yeah. could, there could be a combination of different things that that may be going on. Um, I think in, in in all of them, they whatever our wounds are, right? Direct wounds or indirect wounds, they are our responsibility mm-hmm. of what we're going to do with them. Mm-hmm. We may not have been the cause of them. Right, yeah. they may have happened to us, but we do have a responsibility of what we're going to do with them. Um, yeah. And and what I believe is that God, regardless of how they happen, self inflicted or or I was a victim to something, God's going to walk with us and be with us um, through the healing process if we're open to it. Yeah, that's really good. He's not going to force it though. Right, we have to be open to. Got to be open to it. Yeah. I uh, I think. I think one of the things that you said as a practical application before we take this little break is I think it's really healthy to, you know, I think it's really healthy to be able to walk in other people's moccasins, you know, to Jesus said one of the primary duties of our life are to love other people and we're supposed to love them the way we want to be loved, which actually means love them the way I want to be loved is the way I need to be loved. So I should love them the way they need to be loved, not Mm -hmm. I don't project the way I need. But I think we have a, it's very hard to get out of our own moccasins because it's really easy for me to go, roller coasters are not scary. What's the problem? Right. Um, when to other someone else, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And they do the same thing to me. You know, yeah. you're just too risky. Yeah. Um, but c- coming out of this new, going into this new world that we're going to have where we're going to be going to restaurants and some people are going to ask us to put on a mask and we're, It'd be really easy to be judgmental because we live out of our perspective. So what you've said to me is really helpful that we uh, people respond to things because that's where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. It's not because it's a weakness mm-hmm. is, a, is the biggest thing you've said. It's not because it, it could be personality. It could be the way your parents raised you. It could be a bad experience. Um, it could be just chemically the way you're you're wired. I think some extreme athletes are just, they just do not feel some of the fear that I feel when I look over the edge mm-hmm. and think I'm going to jump. Um, and then there's other people who can't even get close to the edge, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think that's a good thing for us to remember that as we love our neighbors and even our enemies, that we try to love them the for where they are. Mm-hmm. And of course, like you said, we want to encourage people to go I think you're being crippled in life a little bit because of this fear you have. Do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Can I help you with it? Because maybe some of it's perceived. That's good. Well, and I think for me, it, it it's I, I know that I want to be empathetic. Yes. Period. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I know I do. I really do. But but it's much easier. I know me. It's much easier for me to empathize, right? To 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 get an idea of what it might be to walk in your moccasins if I hear your story. If I've heard your story, yeah. If yeah. you if you explain to me, if I hear what you're afraid of, or or why you're not afraid, or or whatever, and if I can understand your perspective of that, then I have a greater possibility to then see it from your lens and not mine. And then I have the opportunity then to empathize. That's so great. Um, 
let me make sure I understand it by telling a story that I th- just popped into my head. Stephen Covey, I think, tells this story in his in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's about perspective, but he says, it's, so the quick story, and I'll get some of this wrong, but I'll just make it up and it'll make sense, that a guy is on the bus, there's these kids and they're just being crazy. Mm-hmm. He's had a hard day at work. He's so irritated, these kids. How can, how can, and he's really irritated that dad right there because he's not controlling his kids. And then finally he gets upset at the dad and says, what is wrong with you? You're on a public bus and your kids are just bothering everybody on this thing. And then the dad says something like this, I am so sorry. And he's got a tear coming in his eye and he says, we just left the hospital and these kids no longer have a mom. And I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know why they're acting like this, but I think there's a reason. And then that man all of a sudden went, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Let him go crazy. Because he, that's so, I mean, that, is that what you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm saying. Because that makes so much sense to me, because my tendency as a weak human being, wanting to be empathetic but not, is that I, I judge people without, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm a judgmental person, but I evaluate, and I go, you shouldn't be Mm-hmm. That shouldn't. This should be mm-hmm. without listening to their story. So maybe one of the best way. Maybe the best thing we learn today is to love. We first say, "Tell me about what's going on," or "Tell me about your story." Mm-hmm. Tell me about your life. Why are you in this place? That's really good. Thank you for that. Yeah. Let's take a break, and we'll come back with some fast questions. <laughs> we all right? Yeah, I'm gonna keep it going. Okay. Uh, how long are we right now? Um, 44 minutes, so we started, uh, oh, I'd say five, ten minutes, so we're probably about 30. 30 oh, that's minutes. great. That's yeah, great. It's really good. Really, it's really good for me. <laughs> 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 I just gave the introduction to church. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, I'll ask these, that's, this is great. Yeah, so I know you. this is great. This is this is what I don't do with my podcast all the time. It's just this. You right? do this all the yeah, time. Yeah, just this is yeah. what we. Well, I mean, different. I'm there. You know oh, what I mean? No. And, oh, and, okay. and, but the, but the flow, right? This is what I it's when fun. I have a good podcast, good conversation, the podcast. This is how it goes, right? We just. But I'm over the one, the one asking questions, and so yeah. so. Um, but I try to get them just to talk about whatever, yeah, yeah. and then and then 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 I'll. Tell a story like that because that I'm, I don't think that story was planned. That you just no, yeah. I, so yeah. Trig- I was, and it, I thought if that's if that's right, I get what you're saying. So I wanted to say it, and I think maybe it helped them. Yeah. Okay. So we'll leave the camera the way it is and just keep talking. Just keep up. So what was, would be happening in our normal in the flow when it, AJ edits is they'll somebody will be giving announcements about things going on in church, and then they'll listen to a worship song, and then we'll come back. But I think what we'll edit in. I, well, let's just, we'll just film this at the end, and you can see if it works. Okay. <laughs> I think it would be really funny, like, if they do the announcements and they go, now go to a worship song, and it's like an accident. They came back here, and I'm laying on the couch crying. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and talking about how hard these people at church are. Sure, sure. <laughs> are you okay with that kind of <laughs> Sure, absolutely. Okay. I'll even get the clipboard out. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> These people, I don't know I can, if I can cry, but I'll yeah. try. Yeah. So we'll do that at the end so you don't have to move the camera. Okay. That sure. works. That, yeah, that's perfect. Okay, let me look at what... Uh, okay, I'm just going to throw out questions. And again, if it if I ask too many, then we'll just cut it down. But. So, so, so one, and you can get this yeah. on this, but yeah. one of the things I think also is that what I think God 
if we're being open, God and the Holy Spirit are going to help us discern, right? So I'm being open to, to you telling me your story. But let's say your story, you get to a certain point in your, in your story, you're not telling me from your heart anymore, but you're telling me your agenda, right? I'm going to listen to that to a certain point. And, I'm, and if I'm open, I'm going to hear it. And then at some point, because I'm trying to be open, right? And the Holy Spirit goes, it's okay to walk away now. This is not in therapy, but in friendship or period. So what does that look like? What does it look like when I switch from my story to my agenda? What do you? So, so let's say you start telling me your, your, your story and then something triggers in, in your mind, right? Yeah. Let's say if we're talking about something extreme like racism, yeah. right? And, you, and you've been brought up with a, a particular type of racism and it's so locked and loaded. And then all of a sudden, or we could, or, or for that sake, let's talk about religiosity. So we're, I'm so locked and loaded in this and I'm, and I'm sharing where I'm coming from. And then all of a sudden I'm afraid because an old teaching told me you're about to step over a line. Or you have a, you have an opportunity. You You're know. talking and you feel afraid, so you change. So then you then start going um, politics or, or 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 whatever it may be, you know. Okay. And then all of a sudden, if I'm being open, right? I believe then God and the Holy Spirit will then go. They're just closed off. They're not sharing from their heart anymore. They're sharing from. So their if head. I'm the one doing that and I switch to an agenda race, or yeah, whatever I, it may be, you know, you know how it is today. These people are just. I start talking about these people. Yeah, them. And they. you sense that you're saying it's okay to then shield yourself and protect yourself because you're because, because you're no longer sharing from your heart anymore. You're sharing from your head. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes at that moment you're going to get a sense that you're that this person who was sharing their heart is closed. So you. So if I'm here doing that and trying to get you to help me, you sense that I've just shifted to an agenda. You're saying you protect yourself? Yeah, I, just being aware of that, then then I'm like, now I may throw out a couple more times, you know. See to, if I can get you back. To, to try open. to get you back to being open, to being vulnerable. That's really what it is. Yeah. Once, sometimes when people recognize that they're vulnerable, they they got into that space of being vulnerable and they and they felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, but then all of a sudden they noticed they were there and they're like, Oh, I'm way too far out in the water now. <laughs> and they uh, pull back, you uh, know. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 that's okay. That I'm just I just don't want people to recognize that that in the midst of it, you know, uh that that, that we shouldn't be a, that we shouldn't also be able to have boundaries. It's okay to have boundaries. Okay. It's 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 okay to have boundaries because someone may have an you know I could be talking to someone who's domestic violence perpetrator, mm. right? And they're trying to tell my story. They're trying to tell their story to 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 their female friend mm -hmm. about why they are hurting so bad, and then all of a sudden they switch mm. because they see someone who's being vulnerable to them. And then they start getting slick, or they start. I, oh. You know, I it's I can't think of a great example yeah, right now, yeah. but but I, I you're just, saying it's okay to go. Okay, this is over. Let's. I don't yeah. have to keep listening to your agenda. Yeah, or 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 maybe not even use those words, but kind of then then just shift it. Yeah, where where yeah. I'm I'm changing topics or moving over because yeah. it appears that that or I space, could just talk about what you're saying, but yeah, the space is over. You know, yeah. the space is closed. I see. I was thinking the other way around because I've noticed. Um, in some relationships, if I'll start getting 
vulnerable about something and I'll be like, maybe this person will help me. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it goes back to the two different ways you do things. And then that I'll notice that person starts telling their own story or mm-hmm. something. They'll mm-hmm. listen, you'll go, I'll, then I'll go, oh, I don't need to be, mm-hmm. I don't need to go any farther here because mm-hmm. this person, th- they changed the, yep. they went to an agenda instead yep. of going with me where yep. I was going. Yeah. And that happens too. Yeah. And that, and that's part of what I believe what God has promised us, promised us through the Holy Spirit is that for us to be cognizant, for us to be able to decipher, is this a is this a, a, a dog that's dangerous or is this yeah. a dog that wants a hug? <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. I mean? You know, to to be able to be open and be conscious because it's not just to blindly think all dogs are safe and all dogs are dangerous. Right. That would be. Terribly unsafe to They're do that. Both unsafe. Yeah, I get it. In in therapy, I would assume part of your discerning is okay. You're seeing a lot of dogs as going to hurt you, but they're not, and that's not a good way to live. So I want to help you figure that out. Mm-hmm. And you is that a good friendship thing to do too? To try to y- y- like, what kind of words would you use when you see that? Because because I think my natural tendency is, I think part of the reason I connect, you know, because athletics is really mm-hmm. part to me, and I don't mind challenge, and I don't mind somebody getting in my face, but mm-hmm. I've, I found most people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, 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 right. So if you go, um, this is so in so this is the the very unempathetic way of thinking, but I, it's it's just black and white. Okay, that seems irrational. Based on the facts, this dog is not going to bite you. But if I look at you, it is rational because you have this fear of that. But how could I help you discern mm-hmm. so that you now sit at peace? Because this is a really great dog. But if, if you're going to be nervous for the next five hours because this dog is in our house, that's really not good for you. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you say to help help what, get that conversation started? Or do you not? Do you have to wait for them to ask? Well, I can ask, I, and this is what I'll sometimes ask, because sometimes it's with a, a friend or a colleague, right, uh, or a client. I, I, are you open? So I'll just ask the question, are you open? Now, the, the fact is that I can't always separate being at home and just talking or yeah. being here and just talking because yeah. it tends to be that Kevin shows up in both places. But so, <laughs> so I may ask the same question. So, right so people that know you, when you say I'm open, they mean are you are you ready for me to speak something about yeah. what's going yeah. on? Okay. Are you are you open for me to ask you a question or open to to invite you to go somewhere? That type of thing. Yeah. And that's and that's what I mean. That's what I mean by that. But usually that's it's in context. Line, it's in context of the situation, right? And and I said, well, let's say it's about the dog thing. Rodney, are you open? Because you've been telling me about how afraid you are of the dog. And I go, well, what if the dog isn't what you think? Maybe it is, but what if it's not? Yeah. What if this particular dog, whose name's Bruno, what if <laughs> this 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 pit bull isn't yeah. that pit bull? Yeah. Because I totally get why you think it is. They look the same, same breed. But what if? And they would say, okay, I'm open. Then you would say, look, can we talk about? Yeah. Or, or if Bruno's actually here, we might slowly oh. start working the, the psychobabble term is desensitization yeah, or exposure therapy. Yeah. So we we slowly, in a, in a comfortable way, start addressing that and moving closer to whatever it is that I fear. Mm. Safety is key to it the whole time. 
because each each step I move closer to the fear object, I'm still in a safe place and I can always go backwards. Choice. Yeah. Hey, so I'm, I'm going to follow up on that question and we can use it or not, but are, do you see virtual reality as something that you'll use in therapy down the road? Like that sounds like a perfect example of a, of a way, what did you call it, desensitization? Yep. Yep. You know, if someone's afraid of heights, you can put them in a high situation and work through it without any risk at all. Yep. It's just totally emotional. Yep. Is that is that going to happen or is that? I believe so. You do? It's probably okay. already happening somewhere. Yeah. I, it's just not happening in my office because yeah. I, don't have, I don't have the technology to do that. But I believe it's probably happening. You know, what we do yeah. now, what we talk about now, to be real honest with you, is that you can't talk someone into not being afraid of heights. Mm. You can't do talk therapy around Fear of but you can do immersive therapy or um, uh, desensitization or or uh, exposure therapy. Exposure therapy, yeah. So, so and what, that works. That does work because if if you're afraid of heights, the best way to to uh, and I, a friend of mine told me this right in, in his story. He was telling me, and I okay. think he did it himself actually. That's where it came from. If you're afraid of heights, then take rock climbing lessons. Safety is number one, right? You're going to be off the ground, so right. you're going to feel the sensation yeah. with the safety measures, Yeah, and something has to go. Your your fear of falling, which is really why we have fear of heights, is the falling part, or the right. landing right. of the falling. Yeah. Right? It's the landing. <laughs> you know, type right. of thing, right? <laughs> and, and, and so I get to experience what that feeling is off the ground. I can't ever do that in talk therapy. Uh, Some things you have to totally makes sense. It has to be experiential. But I wonder if if I know it's virtual reality and up high, I know I'm not actually going to fall. But there's something that could trigger your brain to start. It's good practice. Practicing that. It's a good practice. It's kind of like like, a good step. It's kind of like exposure therapy. Where if I'm afraid of snakes, right, and I have a snake in in a in a glass container over there. Mm -hmm. If I have a true fear of snakes, I'm not. Even, I'm uncomfortable with it being over there, yeah. Even though it can't hurt me, yeah. But as I get closer to it, I'm addressing that fear without the risk. Yeah, yeah. I'll, makes sense to me. Okay, so I want to answer. I want to ask these okay. questions, and we'll see uh, see what you have to say about them. I, I think they are they're practical for our lives, and I think so. What I'm trying to do is ask questions that I. I want to ask, and what I think maybe people listening might want to ask if they got to sit here in this chair. So, okay. but I want to start with a, a church question because you know at, at church, I think every church in the world, the primary goal that we have is ultimately to glorify God. But we do that by helping as many people as we possibly can become Christ-like. So we help them. You know, the, the problem we have in our lives is that we. We rebel against God, and we don't have this relationship with God. And then Jesus said, I came to to pay the penalty for that so that you can have your sins forgiven and we can have this relationship restored. Uh, but then he doesn't just leave it there, you know. I, I think I, even growing up, I was taught the point is to get people saved, but I think the point is to get them uh, redeemed or restored to where they're supposed to be. And Christ-likeness is... The goal that we're God says that He's working on us, and eventually we'll be Christ-like. We'll become like Him, and the closer we get to Him, the the better we can experience life. Jesus said, "I came to give you life and give it to the full, the incredible life, the abundant life, to help us flourish, to help us thrive." So, the more I'm like Jesus, 
the better life is because I don't get angry as much. I can see I have a better perspective. I know what is real, what is not real. I'm, I'm getting whole. I'm getting healed. All those good things. Um, and, and I think that's uh, I think that's what you're about. In fact, your the video which I've your, your webpage has changed since I first saw you. The first time I I looked up KP counseling, it had this. I didn't know I was in the right place because like this is a this is an auto restoration place. <laughs> and sure. now that that's, it, I don't know if it's the same video, it's the same idea. And if you have never seen it, you just go to their website and watch this video because it's really a beautiful metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's of a guy that loves older cars and I, I don't know who he is, but he's obviously skilled in restoring them. Um, so first question about that, that. See, I said the church, I think, is in that same business. Mm-hmm. What, what, how, do you think the church and um, counseling, therapy, clinic are doing the same thing or different? How do they how do they relate? I, I think in the ideal state, right? Yeah. In the, and ideally, they they should be both doing the same thing, right? Ideally, they should be doing the same thing. They they should be should right so now we know we're in trouble because we're shooting right. but um but the this idea of in counseling we're, we're we're trying to create a space right okay that that if you were coming in create a space for you to come in and for me to ask you right to to, to get to know you right for me just to get to know who Rodney is and and what is he coming in for Mm-hmm. Right, so it's a, it's a developing a relationship, creating a relationship, right? First and foremost, before we get into any transformation or restoration, right? Right, um, because why would you want to transform or even change it, it, with with me if you don't know me? I don't trust you, and you don't right? know me, so you don't even know what I need no. to do to change. Yeah. You know, because isn't that what Jesus first said to Peter? After he got him a bunch of fish, right? You know, and and showed him this is what could happen, right? Come follow me. Yeah, that was it. Just come follow me, because we got some we got some relationship development going on. Right. He, he probably figured that Peter was a little stubborn, right? He'd been out all night, hadn't got nothing, and 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 then he still was, you know willing to do it again, right? Right, yeah. So he's a little hard-headed, maybe right. stubborn, which we clearly know in, the, in, mm-hmm. in how many times, you know, things yes. happen for yeah. Pete, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> right. and all that, you know. <laughs> um, so so there need to be this time to create that relationship. And I think, I, I think for people that are hurting and seeking, the church can be that space in which if people are willing, who represent the church, That'd be anybody on the inside when I'm coming from the outside. Got it. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. If they're willing to just receive me for where I'm at and just see me for where I'm at at that moment, or that time unfolds, all my perceptions about what's on the inside of the church, because I've never been here before, I got projections myself and right. all these mm-hmm. things. Maybe that's going to start. Maybe there's another story here. It. It really. Um... If you think through that a little bit, like we're 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 trying to accomplish the same goal, you've just got a niche in the fact that I'm just giving you space to work through your soul issues, 
where the church also has a function of gathering together to worship, which you're not going to do in the in a corporate kind of sense in therapy. But they they really blend together, and I, th- I think if we thought through it a little bit more, we would um, we would do it. It would, it would change our perspective of both, uh, because some people think of therapy just as someone laying on a couch crying and giving out their problems and someone consoling them. Where I know some of your therapy, I mean, you have some great men's groups, you have some other groups. It's, it's fairly challenging, and it's not just sit around and talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm wanting you to grow. The point is for you to grow, mm-hmm. to change. And then some people's perception of the church is that it's supposed to do all these programs and all these functions and have all this stuff going on. And we may simplify that and say, no, everything we do is for that purpose of helping people become fully alive. And if anything that we're doing is not doing that, then that's probably not a biblical thing the church is supposed to be doing. Somehow we've adopted some other strategy that's not Mm -hmm. a good strategy. So they really do... Uh, I, more than compliment, I don't even know the right mm-hmm. word. I think they're more synergistic than mm-hmm. that. What you're yep. doing is we just have a little bit. Uh, I, and I think in a church where it takes more a different type of skill to do mm-hmm. some of the things you do, which is why I would talk to some people and go, I need you to mm-hmm. go see Kevin because he's right. got a different gifting than I do um, to help you with that. So that, that's interesting to me. Um, so along those lines, I, I have... I know when I need to say, hey, I don't know how to help you through this, this thing. Somebody who has more training in, in brain chemistry and you know, it, it just emo- knowing how to use skills to get this out and help you with this, I refer you. Mm-hmm. How would a, what is your advice to somebody? Just a quick, simple thing to say, when, do, when would I know I need to go see a professional therapist? I want to grow. I want to work. I got a problem. How do I know this is not just something my friends can help me out or my small group or my pastor, but I need to go see a professional therapist? How, what's the what's the little check boxes for that? Are there any? Well, I mean, it's different now than it used to be, right? I mean, it used to be if if it was so, you know if it was something that was a, like either a chronic mental illness or some major thing that was going on. Um, today, you know, we we are looking at you know. Obviously, those things as well, but then in major traumatic events and and that piece of it. But if I know for me, I I need I need to go and see a third party to talk something through if I'm reluctant to bring it up to my friend, or it's not appropriate for me to bring it up to my friend. So the topic itself, okay. So so I don't have. I work really hard at not having secrets for my wife, right? But I also know that it's not her responsibility to, 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 it's not my wife's responsibility to give me my strength. It's my responsibility to bring my strength to her. Yes, okay. Right? So, so I may need very well to go to a third party because if there's something that's blocking me from bringing my strength to, to Diane, then, then I need to go and do that. I have a responsibility to go and do that, or I'm going to inadvertently, because the difficulties of life, it's going to come out sideways, and I'm going to have to make her small so I don't feel so small. Got it. So if the people you're with can't help you do that, then you go to someplace else to do it, yeah. and it's all intentional yeah. in growing. That's, that's- and I may need more than what my friends can provide for me. 
right? I may okay. want to just be able to go out to dinner when we can do that and, and whatever yeah. with my friends and not bring that stuff, but, but be able to share with them the journey, but not do the work with them, but do the work with a third party. Got it. You, you, so you brought up your wife that allows me to open this door to just, just one question on marriage. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those ridiculous questions because it's what's your best, but just try what, what would you, what would be your best tip for having a healthy marriage? Hmm. You can name two or three, if you want, but, <laughs> but like one of those, I mean, we just don't keep any secrets. What, what is it? I, I don't want to even lead you on that. What do you? Um, well, I definitely think it's important, in, a, in no surprise, right? I think it's real important that, you know, in a partnership, that's what, I'm, to me, a marriage is a partnership. Okay. I, I need, I, I have, in my case, I, I specifically asked God if the, if Diane was the one I was supposed to marry, because I figured always before I asked him for the bailout plan when it wasn't working well. <laughs> yeah. So I needed to do something a little bit different <laughs> okay. this time, which seems to have worked out for it the last does. 28 years. Exactly, <laughs> right. So, but also when it has been tough, then I also know that I know that that this is what it, where I'm supposed to be, right? So I can stick through the tough times and not and not you know panic and bail, right? Yeah. And, and so I think it, it's it's about you know uh, is this in the in the premarital phase, right? That am, am I am am I choosing a life partner that I'm going to be able to do life in the different stages of life with? Right, that's that's key to, to me. It's key, right? Yeah. A- and and then um, and then and work it like a partnership, you know. So, so make the wise choice at the beginning with God's help, and then say we are. No one's dominating. No one's controlling. But we're do. We have to be together in what we're doing. Yeah, that's really good. And, and for me, that's what's helped me. And then I have little tools, right? That that I use to keep me grounded. Right. So when Diane, she loves this part when I talk about her. Right. So when Diane doesn't meet one of my needs that I happen not to tell her about, but I am holding it against her. Right. Yeah. And I'm pouting loudly. Right. Yeah. That, I, I've never done that, but I'm sure AJ has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I need, I have certain things that then I listen to this song that reminds me of who I know she is uh-huh. and it grounds me. Or I watch this particular, you know, video or 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 then a movie or clip or whatever, and that grounds me because that then allows me because I've if I turn that song on, I'm being going back to Philippians four, I'm being open to God for that magic to happen and for the Holy Spirit to remind me of who Diane really is to me, not me pouting about what she's not being for me. And you mean a literal? There's a literal song you turn on. I mean, it's a song, literally a song. Okay, literally. Yeah, that's better than a literal song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not a literal song. Yeah, yeah so that, that's the, what works part, for me. You're tapping in. Yeah, that works for you because it rekindles the emotions and it yeah. clears out the fog that's making you think of her in a wrong way. Right. I, I like it. Um, again, I'm just listing different topics now as questions. So I want to go back to the restoration idea because mm-hmm. it seems to me, I don't know a ton about this, but I know a little bit, that some people want to restore a car to the original condition. And some people want to restore a car so that it looks really good, but it still has its character. Like it still has some scratches or some rust along the way. And those are like two different processes of car restoration. When it comes to people, Mm -hmm. KP Counseling, you personally, me, 
and we're trying to help people restore. We want to restore ourselves. What's what's the goal? Original condition, scars along the way, something else. Well, I think for for me and and, and what we talk a lot a lot with our staff is that um, those wounds that yeah. you have incurred throughout your life, you now have a scar over. Yeah, and they are opportunities for you to transform into something greater than you would be if it wouldn't have happened. It happened. It's already happened. Romans 8, 29, 8, God has the ability to take something terrible and make us even better than if it didn't happen. Right. So That's you, you what's embrace the with, scar yeah. to something better. You don't try to remove the scar. No, you because, because well, one, you can't, right? Number one, yeah. you can't. Even the best plastic surgeons in the world can't completely make it go away. Right. And, and besides that, even if it does cosmetically look like it's not there, mm. I still have the memory of it, let alone all yeah. the trauma I went through to try to remove the scar. So you're restoring to something. You're not restoring to the way we were. So a couple goes through a conflict. We want to restore this marriage, not back to what it was, but to what we can be having gone through this. We can't ignore that, right? So, so when I originally, when Corbin Tyson originally came up with the concept about the video, and we discussed it about yeah. the video, is, is we used the line in there that, that essentially it was being restored to what the original intent was supposed to be. In other words, what we're- what The original what, intent was supposed to be. What God originally intended us to be before we were wounded. That's really, that's real, that makes a lot like, of sense. Like, so in, in, when we were conceived, right, we at that moment were created in God's own image. Okay. Right? That's what it says in Genesis. We're creating God's own image. And, and so at that moment, our body isn't being formed yet, right? Yeah. So there's no wounding that's happened. But this, this thing that happens later on through the developmental process, either through the gestation period or, mm-hmm. or post-birth or whatever it is, that's where wounds happen, and and it, it is our responsibility because it's my life. It's my responsibility to identify those things and address those things, so that I can then be what God created me to be. Restoring the image of God in me, not necessarily restoring restoring me back to the person I was, because I can actually be more mature, more Christ-like than what I was back there, even with these wounds. Yeah, because yeah. even like a. Something horrible happens to somebody, and now I could go back to where I was, or if I grow through this, I can be more empathetic with other people because of what's happened to me. I get it. That makes sense. And and it's what you said earlier, right? We are not going to go back to February of 2020. Right. We're not going back to that. We're when As this unfolds, it'll be, if you call it the new normal or the reorder, whatever you want to call it, right? But it won't be what was. It will be what the new is. And and I think that is what happens... With, with that, that's that was Saul's experience, right? Saul became Paul. He 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 didn't lose his Saulness, yeah. meaning all his understanding of the of of the laws and and the Torah and all that. He didn't lose that. Mm. He then saw it. Mm. He saw Christ in it. Yeah. Versus yeah. it being separate, which is what he saw as Saul. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so. Uh, Kind of a, a topic that could relate to this virus, but addictions. Huge topic, way complicated, way more complicated than we have time for. But I think what has happened, so as a pastor, what I've seen, 
Um, two things I've seen that are really big, that people realize they're not very whole and just being bored or staying at home is drawing some of that out. And they're going, eh, this isn't good. They may not even be cognitive of it, but they're seeing it. And one of the ways that that is playing out is in their addictions. They've either got new addictions or, they've, uh, or they're running into the ones they've always had. And so because it's such a big topic, we probably don't need to be talking about drugs or serious, serious. Uh, I know all addictions are similar, but maybe, maybe we should. You, you, you can decide that. I think people are like, like I'm seeing it in people uh, where they get stressed, so they watch TV. Or definitely stressed, so I eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a joke now that eh, I'm putting on more weight because I'm home. But it's 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 a compensating thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to ask this question. I wrote it down the way I wanted to. Um, so, I, I guess I'm going to have two questions about this. But first is is there is there something just one tool that you can say for people that are struggling with? I know this is an addiction. I'm actually I can't stop doing it. Maybe you have to define that for us. But is there a tool that we would give people that are realizing I have addictions um, that you would say this is this is this is a good place to start? So, so let, let's maybe let's uh, let's soften it a little bit. Okay. Right? Let's 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 say in, instead of us calling it an addiction, right, and then inviting people to be in denial about that. Let's let's say I've, I've gotten into a bad habit. Okay, that's you know, good. So I create some bad habits. Yeah, I like that better. Okay. And, I feel better about myself already. <laughs> okay, and, and let's say as a, as a consequence of this bad habit, I put on 15 pounds or whatever it may be. Okay. 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 And let's say I, I, I identified when and identified what is contributing to this weight gain and this bad habit. Is the what the food or what behind the food? Uh, let's first go with it behaviorally. It's the food. Okay, so what I do is I eat too much. Okay. Yeah. Let's at, just do at, that. at even more a particular time period, or I'm grazing all the time, whatever it may be, right? Okay. So we identify, you know, what it may be, what the behavior may be, right? You, let, let's, you can just use me because okay. kind of one of my ongoing things that I, I, I use as a metaphor because I think it's really easy and it's partially true is M&Ms. Mm-hmm. So let's just say I have decided I'm going to eat bags of M&Ms every day. So this represents whatever people's metaphor is. So now I identify the behavior. I eat way too many M&Ms. Okay. Now what? So one of, one of a couple things you can do, okay? So, so let's say you've identified that you're eating two pounds of M&Ms a day because yeah. you're going through a bag a day. Yeah, okay. If we want to not make it that hard, then yeah, just two pounds is all <laughs> I mean to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. Let's identify that. That's, okay. And I, I identify that it's not good. Yeah. And, okay. and and so then I would go, okay, so Rodney, is there eating two pounds a day? When are you eating it? Well, you, well I said all day. No, I mean, oh. like, really, how, when are you eating it? Okay. Well. I notice I do it um, whenever I feel anxious about something. Okay. I start eating them. Yeah. So, so how do you have access to them? Yeah, I I... Buy them. I, I uh, where are they at in the house or the office or whatever? Oh well, yeah, both. They're everywhere. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to imagine how how would I? So how do I have access to? Them? Yeah, they're in. Uh, they're in the pantry. They're in the pantry with the chips. Okay. So so <laughs> and, the, so the they're kale. not out. <laughs> so they're, so they're not out. Right. No. 
they're in a bag or container yeah. in the pantry. Yeah, yeah. They're not in a bowl sitting around for everybody okay. else so, to eat. So, okay, okay. <laughs> so that's perfect, right? So <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. So there's extra steps you have to take to get to the pantry to open up the container to get a handful of M&Ms. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, so let's say you're working or watching TV or something like that, and you have a thought that you want to go and get some M&Ms. Okay. Okay. Could you delay the thought? Could, I mean, sure. could you delay the behavior? Could you say, I'll wait till the next commercial to go? Y- yes. Okay. And the next commercial now, comes. So just for go. practical purposes, are you? is there a right answer to that? Or am I now saying, whoever's answering this to, I can't wait. Okay. Is, that, is, that a, is, that a, is that the kind of question it's, you're answering? Okay. Or are you well, saying, is it physically possible to wait? So if, if they believe they can't wait, then they can't. It's their perception. Okay, let's do that. Okay. So, yeah, I can't hardly even wait for the commercial to come. Sometimes I pause the TV and I run in there and get yep. one. So, so then if they really, really, right, like I would ask them, right? So, like, so Rodney, how bad do you want to not eat the M&Ms? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how how much do you not want to eat the M&Ms? And then uh, when? Like in the moment or like right now when I'm right talking now. about it? Right I feel now. bad about it. Yeah. Um, let's say 8. Okay. It's pretty high, yeah. Right, that's pretty high. Yeah. Okay. So, would you be willing, right, to either eliminate access to the M and M's or reduce the quantity of M and M's at any given point in the house? At this moment, yes. Let's say that. Okay. Right now, because it, it's not good to make that decision. Because you've already told me that if it's in the middle of watching the TV program and the urge is there and the temptation's there, yeah, that it's too hard to not do it. So yeah. we have to eliminate access. Okay. So now I could go home and get rid of them while I'm not tempted. Right. Okay. That's right. a good first step. So I'm yeah. identifying these things. And I'm going, okay, I can do this now when I'm strong. I got to make some decisions. Yeah. Okay. It's so called discipline. House. It's called discipline. Okay. It's, and it's not easy and it kind of sucks. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. so it's hard, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. But, but that's, if you really truly have that level of motivation, right, then, then we have to make some hard decisions. Oh, some the eight tough, was a big deal. If I would have said three, we got a problem. It's not time. Got it. You might have to gain 25 pounds. Got it. Or whatever. Okay. Right. okay, that's really good. I mean, just is what it is. So in some way, we've got to find, and you could create motivation. Someone could create it. They could go. They could create it by telling someone. Yep. Some uh, accountability. Yeah, right. something that makes them feel like, I don't want this. That's yeah. good. I know for me, right, when it, food's my trigger, by the way. Food's my thing. And I know for me, it's easier for me to not have access it access to it than it is for me to resist the temptation when the temptation is strong. It's easier to... To eliminate access. So it's easier to, to go throw it away. Yeah. I am not... I, if I'm watching a TV program and that urge comes up, I am not going to pause it, run to the store, buy some M&Ms, oh. come back, eat the M&Ms. That ain't happening. I got I'm it. too lazy for that. That it. ain't happening, right? <laughs> okay. That's much easier to resist when you got that than if they're in there to have this self-discipline to go, I'm not going to eat them. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. For me. Yeah. For me, if they're in there and I have access to it, ooh, I'm playing mental games the whole time. Okay. I may not even be watching the movie. Yeah, got it. Okay, so so this is going to go. That's a great step. 
walking through that, and maybe people heard that, and you could walk, you could kind of see the steps. Now, so this is a this is a um, well. I'll just ask the question. Um, I don't know if numbing. I'm going to ask it this way. I don't. So is numbing healthy, unhealthy? Neither way. And and what I'm talking about is, I feel stress, so I eat. I feel stress. I'm worried. I'm anxious, uh, and I turn to television. I think this is a common thing that's happening now. I'm, I can't figure out my life. I'm bored. It makes me anxious because I'm bored now. So I turn to some other addiction. If the addiction itself, so if I'm not putting on weight, if I'm not, uh, some people talk about, um, you know, I have to have a glass of wine every night. Mm-hmm. It, it, it appears to me like this is a numbing thing. Mm-hmm. It's my way of controlling my emotions. Mm-hmm. So my first question is, is that okay? Or is that a problem? Is it only a problem if it's bringing, I'll tell you why I'm asking the question. Is it, is it only a problem if it's bringing pain into my life like I'm putting on 25 pounds because I eat M&Ms? Or is it a problem because God expects me to go to Him or to some other resource through Him to take care of that? Like, is that an unholy thing to be numbing? Where... You know, you know. Does, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I know what you're saying. So, so uh, it's kind of a judgment question. Yeah. Is this a bad yeah. behavior? Yeah. But it, so, I, I think that's that. There's, there's. I don't think the judgment aspect. You know, I just got done saying about discipline. Yeah. So, so yes, if that's your goal, then you're going to have to discipline yourself to do it. It's going to be hard, and you got to you got to toughen up and you got to just do it if right. that's what the goal is, right? But at the same time, I don't know if judgment, right? Judgment usually doesn't lead people to feel guilty. It usually feels leads people to feel shame. And shame is awful. Right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Shame isn't going to change. nothing godly about shame. No. And it isn't going to change behavior. It's just going to put... It's not going to change behavior. No. It's just okay. going to make it go into secret. Got it. Right. Guilt, guilt is maybe God's way of motivating us sometimes, but shame is... It's the opposite. ...of the enemy, probably. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite. Makes it go into secret. Okay. Because yeah. that's what we do. We hide it. We just get better at hiding the behavior and then denying it if you ask me about it. So, hmm. so, so, the, so, one of the main things that happened in COVID, right? The number one drug, number one drug, specifically in the United States, but primarily the Western Hemisphere, number one drug that COVID interrupted. Number one drug, busyness. Business. Okay. Busyness. Busyness. To okay. be busy. Yeah, Didn't this, is my, this is my numbing. This yeah. is my addiction. Yeah, because I don't have Bad to necessarily habit. be productive as long as I'm looking like I'm being busy. Yeah, got you, it. You know, so that was removed like that. Yeah. Right? And so what do I do with all this? Stuff, stuff started bubbling up in this, in this time of not having the distractions or run the kids here or doing mm-hmm. that or this meeting or that meeting, all these different things that were going on. We had a lot of time on our hands that we aren't used to in 2020. Okay. We're getting used to it in the last 10 weeks, right. or at least we've been exposed to it. Right, yeah. Right? So I think sometimes we were uncomfortable with that, and then we filled it with six hours of Netflix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When maybe we could have got away with 90 minutes. Okay. Right? And then gone and done something else. Yeah. Right? Or, 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 or whatever it may be. And so I think, and, I, and I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Right? I, you know, I, I, can, I know when I'm restless. And and I know when I'm avoiding, 
and I know, and I also know when I need to decompress. Okay. Right? There, there's so that glass of wine or that Netflix show or that whatever may be the transition from work to relax and can be healthy. Can be helpful. Helpful. Okay. <laughs> which then could be healthy, right? Okay. So, so I would love to say that I have I've attained some kind of spiritual development that I'm self-actualized enough, I'm making fun of myself, that, that at, at, at a snap of a fingers, I could go into that spiritual zone yeah. of being able to hear God. Yeah. The truth of it is, is that I'm worried about something, right? Fearful of something, that I might... I'm closed. I'm I'm in my head. I'm worried. So sometimes what I need to do is certain exercises, physical exercises, or I need to listen to certain type of music, probably why we have praise music at the beginning of a worship service, yeah. to create the container and go into that space. If I shame myself that I should just be able to zap into it. Well, that's what I guess that's why I'm asking the question, because I do think there are some kind of church traditions that would say sort of like the faith and the fear, those things are separate. If you're faithful, you won't have fear, which I don't think is true in Scripture. Of course, when we saw Jesus model that for us. But I also think it sounds like, so when you start to be anxious, you should just pray, and God will supernaturally bring His peace, Philippians 4. And the thought is there's everything else is a crutch that you shouldn't have. But when I look at it, I realize... Well, part of the way God helps me know Him is He helps me know friends. And when friends give me, uh, I need I need people to tell me good things. And that makes me more open to believe that God thinks good things. If all I'm doing is hearing, wanting God to tell me good things, but I won't listen, I have no people, I'm in trouble, I think. And I don't think that's a crutch. I think it's God's plan that people help me. But So I'm wondering is, I think people feel guilty sometimes to go, you know, I am just so stressed. I just want to watch a TV show. And then they go, you know, I watched three hours of TV last night. I feel like such a heel and I'm not a very spiritual. I should have been praying. Mm -hmm. And I wonder sometimes if God allows us to have entertainment mm -hmm. help, that can be helpful and done in a healthy way, mm -hmm. that it's not always just, just awful, you know, that ice cream is sometimes a really good point of therapy. But if you're doing it every night and it's your crutch, there's a difference between this is a helpful, I enjoy ice cream. It kind of helps me enjoy the day. You know, I went, we went out for ice cream. It was a great way to celebrate. I know I probably should have just sang worship songs, but the ice cream was wonderful, right? Isn't it some of those tools that gives us? I, I think if I am able to sing the song and be present, right? Okay. And and be in that space and be open, then it's serving exactly what you wanted to serve. Yeah. Right. If I'm doing it because I think I'm supposed to do it, and I'm showing how good I do it, and how well I'm being good at doing it, I'm being good. So yeah. that's why I'm doing it. Oh yeah. There's a good possibility that having fellowship with somebody, savoring ice cream, and hearing a person's story, or being vulnerable and sharing my story, yeah, or happen to walk out of the Baskin Robbins and somebody needs my assistance and I decide to be the good Samaritan and mm -hmm. show up, yeah, maybe those are all because since when did God not be in a place? Right, so isn't good, God everywhere? So isn't everything the, spiritual? Yeah, so it's not necessarily 
people shouldn't necessarily feel like this is a sinful, shameful thing that I sat down and needed to watch some TV before we had a had a good conversation or before. Yeah, I, I just think that's helpful to think through. But I, there, I, but there's definitely I have to be aware of when I'm out of balance, though. <laughs> there's definitely an out of balance. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. When I, for for me, when that's my first thought. Like, I feel stressed, and it's like, I just need to get to TV. Mm-hmm. That, to me, says there's something wrong mm-hmm. because I'm not engaging my story, whether I want to talk to somebody about, I'm stressful, can you help me? I need to recenter my life with God, and I'm not relying on Him. Because that's total numbing. If, I just, if I'm doing this just to never think about it, and then I don't come back to it. But it's different if I say, I'm just going to watch this show for a little bit and get my mind to settle down, and then I'm going to refocus. Those are totally different things. A couple of years ago, I, my son and I were out in Colorado, and I ruptured my quadricep tendon, and had uh, surgery to repair it. And I was in a full cast, and it was, you know I couldn't work, I couldn't drive. Initially, I couldn't work or drive. And um, I remember um, when we got back to from we were out in Aspen when it happened, and we get back, and Caleb introduces me to some show on Netflix. It was a thirty minute. Long series, it was funny, it, yeah. it, it was it was good, and it was a lot of things that were fun about it, right? Yeah. Next thing I know, it's literally, next thing I know, it's like three hours later. I watched six episodes, <laughs> and next thing you know, right? You told binge, yeah. yeah. And, so, and so go to bed, whatever, get up the next morning, do whatever, and then I start watching again. Yeah. Right? And I remember thinking to myself, it was in this cycle, right? Because this is totally not how I do life normally. It was like, wake up, because there was pain during the time period, wake up try to get through the day so I could go to sleep and there's pain at night so I could get through the night so I could wake up and I'm like, and then the Netflix thing on top of it, right, was the part of the mm. numbing piece. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't do this. I can't do it this way. Yeah. I can't do this part of this injury this way. So I started journaling mm. and I started journaling my story mm. of the weekend that Led up to, or the you know the Thursday we left to go out to Colorado, and then what happened while we were out there, and I and then caught me up to then started journaling daily of what I was experienced while I was in this state that I normally am not in. That allowed me in my vulnerable state of being incapacitated, and people had to do everything for me. I felt somewhat more productive, and what I got out of that, which I didn't know I was going to going to get out of it was then later, months later, when they asked me to write a program for a school system um, on resiliency. Uh-huh. And one of the stories was what I was writing in July, I told in October. If you would have just watched TV and taken pain pills and tried to get away, you would have never been prepared for that. Not that part. Yeah. Lake probably would have still healed. Yeah, that's right. But I, I can't imagine have, a torn quad. Yeah. But I wouldn't have grown the same way that I had right. the opportunity to grow from. So that numbing thing was going to take life away from you. Yeah. You had to stop it. Yeah. I don't believe God would have judged me as being bad doing that. Yeah. I just don't think I would have had the opportunity to grow the way I did. That's a good... So not necessarily sin that leads to shame, uh, just missed opportunity. Yeah. That's good. So... I got a couple more questions, but that transitions right into this next one. What you've said multiple times, it's actually very helpful to me about I need to I need to hear people's story and I need to be able to tell my story. And I I, I I'm what I'm hearing you say, even like that, I need to my story isn't well, I was born here and I was here, but you're saying 
I need to tell you what's going on inside of me right now, what I'm thinking, what I'm struggling with, what I'm feeling. Mm. And somehow that's always appropriate. Mm. I think I think that is so critical. I think it's a big part of what church exists. I think local churches are just ex- places where people can be and be loved and accepted and valued, not just easy cheesy, but also pushed to be who you're supposed mm-hmm. to be. But if you can't tell your story, if you if there if you can't connect for whatever reason, because I'm not open to it, or this group is just so superficial, then we just waste years of opportunity, right? I so I, I'm wondering because I think we as our church, I think we have a hard time doing that. I think sometimes people sit in circles for years, and they go through Bible study stuff, and they talk about some things, but they never really share their story. And I have not figured out why that is, but it makes me sad. And I'll ask people sometimes, they'll go, yeah, I don't really think I have a close friend. Mm. I go, you don't have any close friends? Mm. Uh, I don't know that I do. Not the way you talk about it. Not the way you Mm. talk about it. Is there a reason you think, because our society, kind of all the statistics say people are very lonely, Mm -hmm. very separated, which is good for counseling business because people say, I'll just pay to go talk to somebody. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> because they need it so bad, yeah. right? And and you're trained to be good at listening, and then your heart is also there. But you have any idea? I mean, you're a part of a church. Do you know what maybe the, what are some obstacles and what could facilitate real community in a church? Because I think people would be drawn mm-hmm. to Christ if they could find a, a group of people that were that loving, Christ-like to each other, that they could feel they wanted to hear each other's story and they, they walked with each other all the time. Do you, do you know obstacles or things we could do to make that happen? Well, let's say, what if? What if one of the obstacles is fear? And the fear is of being vulnerable and the fear is of being judged. Odds are most places that's a big obstacle, okay. right? And, and, and let's say that's it. Right. If if it is that fear of being judged, fear of not being good enough, fear of being judged, not being good enough. Okay. Yeah. Fear that I haven't arrived yet. Yeah. Right. Um, these might have even been thoughts that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> of why I chose not, coming up with those. <laughs> yeah. Why I've chosen not to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Chosen right. not to share my story. Right. Right. Um, of course. So I I think for me. I remember the first time I went to a men's retreat and I saw, they were all men, obviously, it was a men's retreat. When I saw another man who I didn't know across the, 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 across the way do what later I found out was grief work or, or rage work, he modeled for me what was possible. And I saw him model that he I saw him do that and that model he modeled that for me gave me permission that maybe I could do the same thing and what was it he was modeling he he, he was um and, and again this was the setting of it right yeah. he was getting into some deep way down emotional right letting out some emotion well he didn't know he didn't even know I was watching probably but because of my history was you're always supposed to be in control Mm. You're always supposed to be. Oh, I see. You keep, you know, stoic. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. which, of course, I didn't know what stoicism was at the time. I thought stoicism was not having emotion, just being tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I didn't. So I didn't get that. That wasn't yeah. until just recently, actually, yeah. that I understood that. But so 
him giving me permission by modeling that for me, then I could then awkwardly start practicing it. Hmm. And then I and then there's my turn, right? Not so immediately. One of the tools but, with that obstacle is to have people around you who show you what vulnerability looks like, what community looks like, or well, the, willing to risk it. Well, the obstacle is, in my case, the obstacle was fear. Fear, yeah. Of doing it differently than I've been doing it. Okay. Of doing it different. So my fear, my old pattern was don't express emotions. The fear wasn't of doing it different. The fear was what people would do, right? What would, what would people think? What would, yeah. So, so that's why I kept it inside because I didn't know. Okay. And I feared I would be less than or judged. Yeah. So that's the obstacle. Mm-hmm. And the, and so one of the antidotes to that obstacle was someone modeling it for me. Okay. Being vulnerable. So then it allowed me to think, well, maybe it's going to be okay for me. I still got to take the risk of doing it. But but someone showed. So when someone goes, if you do an altar call and someone comes down and is vulnerable enough to show that they're not whole, mm-hmm. that they're broken, that they mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. God, they need Jesus, that then gives other people permission to do that too. Yeah. Or giving their testimony or telling yeah. their story or, or yeah. whatever, right? We can't fake that. I mean, we can, but 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 when it's authentic and, and, and pure, it 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 spreads for other people. Mm. So one of the really good gifts that people could give in any Christian community, any community, is to be willing to be transparent and vulnerable because that'll encourage other people to be transparent, and that's where we really grow. Yeah, that's good. But to do that, it's during difficult times. And like right now is one of those times. Oh, yeah, so it's easy to be transparent when... Everything's clicking. Yeah, that's when I'll tell my story. But when you're saying I'm really struggling, when, when I'm when I'm really scared because I don't know what's happening and I don't know what the right thing is to do. Yeah, like like this COVID thing. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do come June first because I haven't been given the information yet. Right. So I know that I don't know. I know I'm gonna show up. Just don't know exactly what that's gonna look like yet. I know I'm going to show up. Um, you know, our church is, I think every church is in this place. Uh, we've been trying to have that kind of conversation where we say, um, we don't know. But I think I think the natural tendency is, well, come on, you're the leader, or you guys are the elders. How do you not know? But that's that's really authentic leadership to say, together, we don't know, because we don't. Anybody that thinks they know... What's going to be normal mm-hmm. next year? Mm-hmm. It's just, it just, we don't have any idea. But it also then puts us in a position to be humble, open to God's Spirit yep. to lead us, uh, open for new ideas. And uh, but it seems like what you're talking about in my relationship. So with me and with Cindy and I, with me and my kids, with my friendships, if I'm honest enough and humble enough to say, you know, I don't. This is where I am. I don't know is one of those. It doesn't even sound sound vulnerable, but it's like one of the most vulnerable things to say because I'm totally out of control here. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not asking you to help me. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking you to be with me. Mm-hmm. That's, those are good things to say. I asked my 21-year-old daughter the other day when we were driving, who not too long ago, her and her boyfriend, long-term boyfriend, broke up. Mm. I said, I'm sorry. So, 
So what is it going to be like now when you're able to go out and socialize again, when you're going out, you know? Yeah. What do you think it's going to be like now to be single, 21? What do you think that's going to be like now with all this? I just asked a question. Right. I don't have to worry about that. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm old, right. and yeah. I'm not single, right. and I'm not going to be worried about that. Right. I was literally curious, what was she thinking? Yeah. You know, I was literally curious about what she... I didn't have any... You weren't trying to make a point. You were just I wasn't giving her. I wasn't. She was. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't yeah. going to tell her that she could or couldn't do nothing because mm-hmm. that would be. How would she respond? Well, I'm not going to say on oh, there okay. here, but but uh, but but she had an answer. It wasn't. I don't know though. Well, because some we, of it we, had to be. I don't know. We had a discussion. Yeah. Because she didn't know, yeah. and, and then she kind of talked about, and then even as she gave an answer, it changed because we were just talking about it. Yeah. And and uh, and I think that. You know, um, walking with her in that space, and that's why I'm not sharing because it's it was our no, I didn't want any space. details, but, but I figured part of it was I don't know. Yeah, and it, and it was just that it, it's I think when we're having authentic discussion, it, and if we as parents can get out of the way and just be in the space with them, yeah, they don't need us to tell them what to do, especially when they're twenty something year old. Right, they just need us to walk with them. Yeah, maybe that's what God's trying to do with us, but we somehow think it. We already know what he's going to tell us. Hmm. I'm going to think on that one a lot because I agree with that, but that seems real. Maybe something. sometimes God just wants us to be with him and quit trying to find the answer or act like we know the answer. Because if you would have asked my daughter when she was 15, if she knew what I was going to say about the possibility of kissing and all those things going on, she probably would have said, I know what dad's going to say. Yeah. But at 21, I was just asking her what she thought. Right. Good point. As we mature, God, yeah, that's God gives us some options on that, which is, which kind of brings me to this last two things I want to ask about. Uh, one thing, really, I, I sign a lot of my discommunication. Uh, sometimes I'll instead of saying sincerely, I say press on. Mm-hmm. Comes out of Philippians three, where Paul says, "I," he says, "I forget what's behind and I press on to the goal to which God has called me." And he goes on, he says it again, I press on to receive the prize, you know, that God has given me to. So as we're coming out of uh, this virus thing, and then this also applies to life, there's, there's two things there that seem really important. I forget what's behind. And for Paul, he was talking about a lot of really great things, but we also know he had murder and, you know, fighting against God and some terrible things in his past. And then he had to make this decision to go forward. So I'm, I'm curious about those two words, how I handle regret and how I make decisions. Because those two things, if we're going to move into whatever the future is, business leaders, parents, uh, people now going to decide, am I going to send my kids back to school? Am I going to homeschool? I got to make decisions. Uh, couples, how are we going to navigate now? Because we've had a hard time being isolated together. This has shown us some stuff. Or I have a lot of regret for the way we've treated each other. I'm curious if you have any tools that would help us forget what's behind, so get rid of regret, if we should. You notice how I qualify my things. I think I know the answer, but I'm like, uh, you may... You may know a lot more than I do, Kevin. That's why I'm asking you these questions. So should we get rid of regret? And if so, how do we do it? And then any tools to help us make decisions Mm -hmm. 
faster because I think people waste a lot of their life because they get stuck trying to decide. And I'm wondering if you just know any anything as a therapist that helps us make decisions. I have a couple of questions I'd follow up on that, but I want to see what you say. So, so, so I, I think probably first the fact that you talked about this being Paul's story, right? Right. So then I go back to when he was Saul. Yes. And if people don't know, he was persecuting the church. He was a religious Jew who thought he knew what was going on, but Jesus came and he rejected Jesus. So he was not a good guy compared to Christianity because he was really going after the church. Persecuting? Persecuting Christians. The early church, trying yes. to squash it from happening. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. then he had this experience that was the beginning of his transformation. Yes. A experience when God speaks to him and says, I am God, you're persecuting me. Yeah. Blind for a couple of days, got his attention. Yeah, wakes him up that Jesus is the Messiah. Yep. Okay. And then he went and spent some time with followers of the way. Yes. Right? Perhaps three years of time. That's Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder, when you say to, to forget what was behind me, I, I, what popped in my head when you said that was the shipwrecks, the imprisonment, the flogging, all the things that had happened to him because of his new ministry. Yeah. All the things that had occurred to him to stop him from who he was destined to be. To forget about those things. Because the people he had the message for were the ones that persecuted him, the ones that beat him, the ones that imprisoned him. Right. The good news is for you who've been trying to kill me. Yeah. Because he was one of them. Yeah. So he had to remember who he was so they forget what they had done to him. Mm-hmm. So instead of us being mad about what inconveniences that we've had, or for others worse, businesses, risk of, uh, of closing and, yeah. and uh, underemployment or unemployment and, and those things, decisions were made with the information that we had. Mm-hmm. Right, some of those things we have to now let go of, so that we can move ahead and be the father that we want to be. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you let? How, I mean, some of it is letting go of the fact that people treated me bad, mm-hmm. and some of it is I made some really terrible decisions and made some bad things. So I have a lot of regret. So it makes sense. Forget it. But how do you forget it? Well, do you have any tools? To help well, it goes back to what you said. I think it goes back when I can empathize with, because I knew who I was and why I was. Maybe that's why they were the way they were with me. I can empathize okay. with my persecutor because I was a persecutor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's 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 what I can do to help yeah. me not be so judgmental about being judged. Right. Type of thing. But okay. the prize is to be. Be be that that father that I know God designed me to be. How mm-hmm. how to to be able to see my daughter, and my son, the way Jesus sees them. Hmm. That's the to me. That's the prize, right? To be that way. To see my wife, how that song reminds me of her, hmm. right? Or, or 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 to 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 see the person who walks in my office and see them and get to know their story versus their diagnosis. So is it a choice to forget? Is it just a choice? Is it that simple to let go of regret? And well, I think I I think it's maybe forget about the things that you're hanging on to Mm. about the past. 
So, so if, if Paul was liberated from the prison, his, his chains were loosened, and he liberated— because we just heard this—I just heard this the other day, right, in Acts— Right, that that uh, you know he was being he was being flogged and persecuted, and an earthquake came, right, and loosened his chains, and and the doors were open, and the jailers freaking out, coming in, freaking out because he thought all these prisoners left, and instead Paul and Silas they were all there, and he ended up bringing the jailer to know who Christ was. They didn't leave; mm. they could yeah. leave, yeah, but they had one they had to wait for. Mm. So, so, so Paul wasn't hanging on to what had happened to him, but he wasn't forgetting who he been. He wasn't forgetting. Okay. So, because maybe that part about what you're supposed to forget is that that angst that I have because of of being beaten or what I've lost or or whatever that what I'm hanging on to that prevents me from striving ahead toward the goal yeah. of who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. But how can we forget? We don't. We don't want the scars to disappear. We can't forget it. Yeah, but I don't want to dwell on it. But I don't need to hang on so, to the so shame or the beating myself up. Or, or so whatever. you think the moving forward is a is a, one of the tools of letting go of that. I'm I'm because I'm just stuck. I'm spinning here thinking about it. I'm going to move forward. Okay. So the the last part of that then is, uh, are there any secrets to helping people make decisions? when people get stuck in decisions, because I think people are going to have to come out and make some fast decisions now. And it, it goes for the rest of life too, but yeah. the idea of decision-making is a is a big topic, but maybe this is one we could end on. If yeah. Well, I, and what I've been trying to practice right now as as a leader of, in my in my household, as well as in the businesses, is, is that during the time periods when I don't have to make the decision, make the decision for preparation. Make the decision for preparation? Before I have to make the decision. Uh, okay, so example. So, okay, so, so, so <laughs> okay, going back to our M&Ms, right? Making the yeah. decision at the grocery store to buy either a smaller bag or no bags of M&Ms so that when I'm watching the movie and I have temptation to go and get M&Ms, mm, I'm yeah. not going to go drive to the store because yeah. they're not in the house. Right. So I'm making the decision to make the make the preparation when the temptation's not at its greatest. Okay. Or I'm I'm preparing myself for getting good information about what I'm going to do with the business and what possibilities. I don't make the decision yet. I'm just gathering information so that I have data to make the decision later. There's when a I lot need to. less stressed when I know I don't have to make it. I just getting information. I'm just doing research now. Just doing research right now. And then I'll be ready to make it when I need to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Wonderful. Thank you for the time. Thank you yeah. guys for listening. I think we'll wrap it up because I obviously need to go home and throw out some M&Ms. Is it wrong just to eat them to get rid of them? I don't know. We'll talk yeah. about that off air here. So, uh, thank you guys and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pray if that's okay. Father, we're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you give us friends. I'm thankful for Kevin. I'm thankful for for what you've done in his life, even just our brief story of his story, we're grateful for the way you've um, you've gotten him here in Rockford, where he is able to build a practice that gives so many other therapists good experience, where they can practice their with their giftedness and skills, and they can help help so many of us to live better lives and be 
be restored. And I, I would pray that you would bless him. He's given us a lot of time tonight. And I, I would pray that you would you would bless his time because of that and bless this uh, this practice and this ministry that he's doing here. Just bless it to help, help uh, many, many different people. But help us, God, to take what we've talked about today, figure out how it fits into our, our own lives and our own story, and to uh, begin to thrive as we make decisions to move forward and to press on to what you have for us. We love you so much. We know you're with us. Uh, help us when we doubt and help us when we're afraid. Help us uh, have your supernatural peace as we move forward together in your name. Amen.